Hello and welcome to Cutting the Bull in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben and always I'm hanging out with Mike Hello. and Claire. Hey. Today we're finishing off our 9-11 saga, part three, the legacy of 9-11, because it did change the world, let's face it. Yeah. Certainly changed our world. Totally changed the world, yeah. You know in Fight Club we spoke about our generation not really having a role. Yeah. Apologies, this for the cars outside thrashing around, but this is our, our thing, isn't it? The war on terror is our generational yeah. defining event. 9-11 was our generationally defining event. Yeah. We were 18. A lot of our classmates could have gone off and quite joined up and fought in this. You nearly yeah. got called up. Didn't you? I could have been called up you when, were, I was in, when I was in the reserves. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, so it's, you know, a lot of us of our generation did go and find this and you can still see the legacy of that. A lot of, of young lads out on the streets who've Missing an eye, missing an arm, a hand, a leg. A lot of mutilations in this war. Yep. That's what happens when you fight a guerrilla army on its own turf. It's but a coincidence that it's coincided with the withdrawal from Afghanistan, hasn't it, as well? And that was all part of the deal. Right, okay. We'll get into that. First, let's thank some new and returning listeners. Niles in Michigan, Christchurch, New Zealand. And New Zealand back on lockdown now. I'm lucky if you are. They've had a case, know. I'm sure they have, I don't know. Yeah, they sort uh, of have one case, don't they, they're locked down. Yeah, you know. Um, they've only had, like, 25 deaths, haven't they, or something. Something ridiculous like that. I see ridiculous as, like, we've had 130,000, <laughs> is it something like that? 125,000, and they've had 25. Yeah. They're in Ireland. Makes us look ridiculous. Just like us, yeah. America's had over 600,000, haven't they, now? Have they? Yeah, but people are taking horse dewormer, there, like. Um, I'm, I'm bleach. Pavas in Costa Rica, Kampala in Uganda, Reading in, is that California? Yep. Madrid, Spain, uh, Shinnecoth in Ohio, I think I said that right, San Jose, Costa Rica, Bengaluru in India, St. Petersburg, Florida, Mondekanj, uh, maybe, in Luxembourg. Yeah, we had them last week. Uh, Stuttgart in Germany, Cincinnati, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, Indianapolis, Indiana, Boardman, Oregon, Euro is there or thereabouts, Rock Bank in Australia, Marlow in the United Kingdom. Where the hell's Marlow? I don't know. Yeah. Let me know, please. I can't be asked to Google it. Guadalajara, Spain, Ashburn, Virginia, and top this week is Dublin, Ireland. To be sure, to be sure. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and they'll go, that's a Cork accent, Claire, <laughs> that you just did. Not a Dublin one. Apparently, as a rebuttal, this Irish comedian uses all the time. Mm. He goes like, "It's only oh, to be sure, to be sure, because that's a Cork accent, not a <laughs> Dublin accent." <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for listening. You can follow us on Facebook as well if you like. Click the button to post to Apocalypse. YouTube is Apocalypse Ball. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the major podcasting things. Anybody, anywhere you can listen to a podcast in all fairness. Cutting to the ball in the PTA. Cutting to the ball in the PTA. Not the Parent Teachers Association. It would be more interesting if it was. <laughs> would it? <laughs> yeah, if Anyhow. we just sat there at parent teacher meetings just calling them wankers for not believing in the 9 11 conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be quite interesting. Anyway. Let's start off with the sort of general... We'll, we'll, what we'll do is we'll go through the timeline of the war on terror and if you've got something to throw in, throw in. We've got a few. Well, there's one um, conspiracy missed, wasn't there? Directed energy weapons. Yes. We did discuss that last yeah. week. So, so come on, Claire, give me your redaction first. Uh, yeah, uh, redact via opinion on, like, 
detonations, bombs and, you know, charges and go for go for this energy weapon that we don't even know about. I've been I've been watching about a seminar this week about nine eleven and this uh, en- structural engineer and you know Doctor Judy Wood. Yeah, she's got degrees in all sorts. They're coming out of her ears, man. She has got a lot of degrees. Mm. Yeah, well, but she could also be mad. Just because you've got a lot of degrees doesn't exempt you from being mad. So for someone who isn't familiar with the theory, what is it exactly? They don't know what it is. You can't say what it is, really. But it, it would be concentrating energy and making the building turn into dust. Right. Justification. Justification, yeah. That's what she's arguing. But surely you'd see the residue of this energy weapon... I think of him. He's a bead boy. What is it then? I don't know. What is it? Well, it'd be see-through, wouldn't it? Oh, would it? That's convenient. Well, yeah. Because the two planes in this scenario, then were holograms. Oh, fuck me. And it was either fired from a a US Navy warship or a a bee, sorry, a a stealth bomber uh, painted in camouflage paint. No, there was too much video evidence of the the planes going into the the buildings, full stop. So they've got to have happened. But she's arguing there's something fired at the building or within the building that reacted to this. this nah, sort of not for me. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stick with the charges and the detonations. Thing. Yeah, it's more realistic than invisible. Invisible laser invasion, weaponry. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of down for the invisible laser weaponry. Oh, Although I still do think it was a. It sounds was a, plausible to me. I still do think it was a mega ritual. Oh God. Of all the crazy ones, I still think it's a mega ritual. Yeah, but they did it with a... But they did it with a... You know, at the end of the day, them things have come down, haven't they? Yeah. The pillars of Hermes have to fall. Yeah, yeah she was just, you know, showing... She she put it out there, as I say, she set it out all, you know, bullet points and everything. I remember listening to her on... Oh, she had bullet points, I'll take your point. Here's your mind. And she's got, like, you know, the, the videos of that, that day and steel bits that are sort of... Standing up on end up to like story number twenty, and then they just got like fall beneath herself and turn into dust. She's like, I just still do that, you know. And she's arguing that people should follow, you know, instead of trying to guess what's happened here, look, you know. Well, I'm just going what the firefighters said. They yeah. saw explosions and they, you know, they saw it come as it was coming down. They just saw the explosions come out. Mm. That's what I'm getting with. Or did they see the pancake effect ejecting well, dust, puffs of dust at the size of each floor collapse onto you? I did say I'm not 100% sure, but that's just my, my gut feeling. I don't think there's going to be enough weight to pancake it and break all the windows to cause that little woofed of whatever will come out. Yeah, I just think they're meant to not fall down. All right, it was a directed energy weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever brought those towers down, whether it be fire or whether it be directed energy weapons or explosives, the one thing it has allowed the US to do is basically launch, and its allies, not just the US, but and its allies, Britain included, to launch what is essentially a forever war. Yep, that's exactly what Orwell talks about in 1984. Absolutely right, yeah. He says the point is not to win in Eurasia or... What was the other one, Oceana? Oceana, Asiana. Yeah. He said that the point is just to have a continuous war because it subjugates the people. Give, like them living in fear and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we now have the threat of terrorism back again. We never had that. It all, it all went quiet on that front, didn't it? Now we, now 
the, the Taliban have taken over again in Afghanistan, we can... Well, we had the IRA, didn't we? We had the IRA, but we never really used to give that, that much thought, and at least they usually send in a warning beforehand. Well, they did some pretty horrible shit. They did, but they'd usually call in a warning beforehand. That's true, sometimes they did, but... Talking living, living in fear, after the 7-7 the seven, seven bombings, and they also had the German market that was, you know, supposedly ran into with a truck, um, my brother wouldn't go to the... Yeah, the, you wouldn't want to go to the little German market in case somebody. So that's just showing, you know. Never heard until I looked at my brother and went, "What?" I said, "Just he goes, oh, it could be a terrorist attack anyway." Well, it could be any market. That just specifically going for German market. Right? <laughs> no, you know the Christmas, the German market mm. comes to town. It's, it's you know, it's could be any market. You're right. Just, I don't think that they've got that much of a beef for the German culture. <laughs> <laughs> then again, there's a lot of beer and pork involved in German culture, so maybe the Islamist extremists yeah, don't like it. They don't like sauerkraut. They don't. Do you know what they're missing out on? It was just the Christmas market. It was, it was <laughs> not even here. That's what I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. But you wouldn't go to the, you know, you're just like, oh, no, no, you know, not after the bombings and that, that truck incident. You can't live your life like that. Is well, it never in the back I mean, of I'm, I'm how... just saying, in, until he said that, I didn't realise how it affected other people because I wasn't really that scared about it. I was like, oh, you know... It, it, sort of scary in a World War Three type way, but, you know, but it wasn't... I tell him to be more concerned. scary until my brother said it. Is it never at the back of your mind when you go to a concert or...? No. No. So, for me, it's They're like... quite rare, aren't they? Yeah, but for me, it's like getting on a plane in the back of my mind... I'm always thinking, oh fuck, this could go down. I don't even, think, I don't even want to think about it. And, no, no. but, and I, I, I <laughs> push that, that thought to the back of my mind. But at the same time, I'm in a crowd, I'm thinking... What is the best way out of here? Just in case something kicks off. Something bad happens. Well, you know, it's got a parachute. There's no good way. No, I'm not on a bit in a tower. I'm like in a crowd, in a, in a uh, supermarket, a festival, at a concert. No. I've noted where the exits are, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not... You know, doomsday planning. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a, I don't hear the first half the set. I'm too busy working out where the exits are. I want my, my viable exit for well, As horrible as they are, terrorist attacks, they are quite few and far between, thankfully. Yeah, the intelligence services do do a good job. I think what you can assume, though, is that for every one they've caught, there's probably, for every one that they announce publicly that they've caught, I reckon that there's a lot more that... Have yeah, been have, have been foiled because I think if you started announcing every single one that you foiled, no one would go anywhere. I mean, imagine living in a major city, using the underground, and they're like, "Oh, well, we've foiled uh, three hundred and sixty-two terrorist attacks these last yeah. four months." And you're like, "Oh shit! Well, maybe I won't take the tube tomorrow." Yeah, I suppose so. Well, yeah, my brother has perfect evidence of how it can create fear within you. you know. Of course, but it's like you say. You should be more concerned about the air quality, which kills 40,000 people a year in Britain. Yeah. The noxious fumes from cars that we're breathing in. Yeah, and I've got to be worried about the red meat I'm eating as well. I mean, I always, you know... But yeah. Same thing, it's, it's always the back of my head. I mean, they're taking... Best example is the constant reminder, if you go to our local town centre, barely any bins in there now. Simple reason, someone could easily stuff some kind of explosive in it. That's why you don't see that many bins around in public spaces anymore. Sure. Never really considered it. I just look for a bin. There's always your reminder. There used to be, in our town centre, they were every sort of ten, 10 feet or so down the central aisle. Yeah. Not yeah. anymore. There's always your reminder. But so. But then we're just talking about terrorism. That's in the West, isn't it? Aren't we? 
I mean, the terrorism in the Middle East is far worse. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you can't go to market without thinking about, oh, I hope, so. I hope that bloke next to me looks a bit fat. I hope that's not a suicide yeah. vest. And you can't go to a wedding either. No, because you get drone strikes. <laughs> because it turns out that Uncle Omar was actually a high-level Taliban commander <laughs> and he's attending the wedding. And then, you know, next thing you know, your entire family's dead. Yeah. 90% of people killed by drone strikes are innocent civilians. Just because they happen to be at that location, with the because they, they target it on the mobile phone, aren't they? Yeah. So if they're at a wedding, we've all played Call of Duty, haven't we? With the yeah. <laughs> Oops. It's just unbelievable. Just killing people indiscriminately at will. Yeah. So who are the real terrorists? It's a lot of them column A, a lot of them column B, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But then again, you'd argue that if we're fighting a war on terror by becoming terrorists ourselves it's madness that's why it's a forever war yeah it's because you can't win a war against an ideology well no if, he's, if, he, if you, you're causing terror on them as well that's just going to create more terrorists yeah because well that's what happened with the, with the Manchester bombing in this country the guy was from Libya wasn't he he'd helped us out initially and then we went in there and bombed his country into shit they're still fighting a civil war now that was in 2014 open slave markets at one point yeah I think that still might be happening you know they went from a I mean they went from a stable government and country alright the guy in charge wasn't the best but it was stable to a country that's now got open slave markets in the streets and fighting a civil war for six years you know and I can understand how that would piss you off just a bit especially when you help that happen you buy slaves though <laughs> hmm? You've got to ask who's, who's buying the slaves. Got to people always like... buy slaves. There's slavery in Britain. It's just it's just underground. Mm. People are bought into the country to work as slaves all the time. It's, Especially it's, sex workers, yeah. Sex yeah. workers, for one, is probably the biggest sex trafficking. Yeah. In places like India, they just snatch them out of villages. They go around the remote villages, look for the pretty girls, just snatch them. Actually, it's funny enough, mental. you know what, weirdly, tale I heard today, I was watching a, a documentary today where the... Afghan National Army were doing exactly the same thing with boys. Well, we were, you know, they had tea boys who would serve them tea during the day, and by night they would be basically sex slaves to the soldiers of the Afghan National Army on the border posts. That was allowed to happen. All this, everyone knew about it, but no one ever did anything about it. It's disgusting, isn't it? Of course, it is. Yeah. In fact, if anything, I'd argue that human trafficking has gone up. Christ knows a million percent. That's not an official statistic, but let's face it, the amount of refugees the war on terror has caused, you've just got a lot of vulnerable people everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And of course you had Jeffrey Epstein as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. He yeah. added to the... Yeah. He added to it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's start with... Um, obviously, September the 11th, the attacks happened. The death toll was 2,977 people killed in the on that day. On September 12, 2001, Bush addresses the nation, declaring war and stating, The United States of America will use all of our resources to conquer this enemy. We will rally the world. We will be patient, we will be focused, and we will be steadfast in our determination. This battle will take time and resolve, but make no mistake about it, we will win. Not, a ba- not bad words. Not a bad little speech. Yeah. It's okay. September 20th, in a speech addressing Congress and the nation, Bush announces the war on terror, saying, 
Our war on terror begins with Al-Qaeda, but it does not end there. It will not end until every terrorist group of global reach has been found, stopped and defeated. Oh, impossible, eh? Yeah. They never sort of declared war on the IRA, though, did they? Even the Americans? They, nope. No. Strange, that, isn't it? Mm. They've only been funding them for years. Well, a lot of Irish people in America, man. There is. And that's why the IRA were using M16s and our boys weren't. Strange, that. But, you know... Just my own my own take on that, sorry. <laughs> it's always like, you know, America was trying to... Just to forget about them. those good old boys in, in, in the IRA. No, they, well, they were obviously with them, weren't they? Maybe they were trying to topple us. Who can say? Yeah. Bit of revenge for the revolution. Yeah. A bit of pe- ultimate picture in a long game, but they finally overrun, overtaken Britain. Who can say, right. September 25th. 2001, uh, Defence Secretary Donald Rumsfeld, the war hawk himself, announces the anti-terror campaign as Operation Enduring Freedom. I just heard a bald eagle squawk somewhere. Which he says will take years to fight. Years. Fuck me, understatement. There's a fucking century in it. Yeah. Um, It's impossible. It's endless. Of course it is. You yeah. can't win against an ideology unless you're going to kill every single person who believes in that ideology. Yeah. It's like war on drugs. You have to kill every drug user. I can even predict that it's going to take years. Surely you should be reassuring the American public that we're going to act swiftly. Because yeah. this is the 20th of September, Claire, and the public want revenge and they will agree to anything. Yeah. yeah. They've been hurt. The, the, national, the American national psyche has been hurt really badly. And they're like, oh, we've got this looking, we've got the strongest military in the world. We need to go and kick some ass somewhere. Mm. Obviously, first on the map is Afghanistan. And they're America, aren't they? They, they think they can beat anybody. Apart from the Viet Cong. Well, they believe they could. Amazing when you watch all the films and they never won that war because they never lose a battle in any of their movies, do they? Mm. It was madness, though, wasn't it? It was like. They're asked to go and take a hill or something, and then like they took it. Took a few days to a lot of men got killed. Hamburger Hill. Lots of them, and then they just like said, "All right, pull out, just leave it." And the enemy was to retake it again. It's just things like that. It was just, yeah, we took it because we could. It was just mental. There was no sort of strategy. No. Well, funnily enough, there's no strategy for this <laughs> either. To be honest. Well, when we get to Afghanistan, basically, every general. You took over that, so if you were US generals, you had a British general, you had a, and then it was like shared amongst NATO, mainly an American general in charge. Oh. And they're like, okay, so they say to their boss in Washington, okay, well, how do I actually, what, what counts as winning here? How do I count this as a win? And every, every single general got the same answer. We don't know. There was no exit strategy. No. Rumsfeld strategy. Head, no. Yeah, that, but you've got into this country. You've taken it apart. You've got to put it back together again, and make it a strong, stable, functioning ally, without having to base massive numbers of troops there to back up the the national forces, and to keep the government in power. That costs a lot of money. A lot of money. Because you wanted not, a puppet government, didn't they? Yeah. They want to pull out, but leave their influence in that area. Yeah. But of course it didn't work out like that, did it? No. Crumbled within days. A week. Was it a week? A week they took all the... They'd been fighting for a while, but the last collapse took seven days. And they took all the major cities this year. Worth pointing out, Rumsfeld, he didn't have an exit strategy. 
it all. His uh, thing was get in and out with the least amount of people, with the least amount of cost, and just leave them to pick up the pieces. That was his philosophy. The plans for this, by the way, the reason they're I mean, October 7th, the war in Afghanistan begins, 2001, so we're talking less than a month. Mm. And the reason that you'd think, well, how did this come together so quickly? Well, I mean, you've got to move a vast amount of logistics, warplanes, you've got to put ships into position, you've got to resupply those ships. Something like, you know, I mean, I know in World War Two it was for every fighting soldier, it took nine men to support him. The supply chain's going all the way back to America, all the way to Britain, all the way to Europe. Don't we have bases over there, though? We do, but you still... Uh, the Americans are in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but you still have shifted a massive amount of extra munitions, yeah. haven't you? Stuff like that takes time. Yeah. But all these plans were just on the shelf. They didn't have to make anything up. They didn't yeah. have to organise stuff. It was building for it, haven't they? It was yeah, all. Yeah, discussed that last week. Yeah. Right, being on the shelf. Just take it off the shelf, dust it off. Okay, right. That unit. That unit. That unit. So there, these logistics will move from here. It's just all a complicated spider web. Then. So you keep spending on defence. Eventually, you're going to have that much. You just you have to justify you justify the spending, don't you? Does. So on October 7th, 2001, airstrikes by the United States and Great Britain are launched in Afghanistan at Taliban and Al-Qaeda training camps and targets. What America is tasting now is only a copy of what we have tasted, Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden says in a video statement released the same day. He went, then went on to say, Our Islamic nation has been tasting the same for more than 80 years of humiliation and disgrace. Its sons killed and their blood spilled. Its sanctities desecrated that's a bit cryptic go on explain well it's just he's like 80 years of humiliation over 2001 so he's saying that the americans and the west have kind of kept islam down for the last 80 years we still have puppet governments don't we well yeah i mean let's face it and we did iran iran i mean that was a stable place until the americans yeah. started messing around with the shahs that's it the they elected a democratically elected also put in place by the CIA. Yeah. Basically, they go to the Shah, it was like the, basically the, the, the ruler, the king as such, put in a democratically elected government, decide that that was going a bit anti-American, so they got rid of them, put the Shah back in, who everyone hated, because he was an American puppet, and then they had the Islamic Revolution, you ended up in the uh, Ayatollah Khomeini yeah. in charge, and a really anti-American state. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, if you're not going to let us have the government you want, We'll have the government that hates you the most. Why are you fucking around with our democracy, yeah. basically? E Egypt. Mubarak, wasn't it? Before the Arab Spring, we had him in. Yeah. He was a puppet all over. Before that, it was General Nasser. He was a kind of a Soviet puppet. Mm. So I just know he was in the great game in the Cold War. Getting all these governments to either be on your side or not. Buy your guns, buy your weapons, trade with you. Sell us the oil for cheap. Sell us the oil for cheap. It's all about money, isn't it? Money and oil, yeah. My verdict is in all of this, I'll tell you now, and if you change my mind, come fight me, change my mind. <laughs> is this basically just gave certain elements in the US government a chance carte to launch launch carte blanche to launder money and weapons throughout the entire world? Without anyone questioning why. And where you're getting money in, you're getting money in from drugs, you get money in from oil pipelines and mineral wealth. And, yeah, and you're selling them. But at the top, you've got guns the back. weapons manufacturers, 
and the banks that bank rolling. Then you got underneath the politicians are owned by those corporations yeah. who sits on the sit on the board, or they will when they retire, or they will in between terms. Yeah, and they've all invested in some of these companies of as course. well. Yeah. So they're you know it's just they're just making money while they mm-hmm. sleep, aren't they? Of course they are. You talk. You want me talking thousands of pounds every every hour. Hundreds of thousands every hour going into American political system has legalised bribery. Ours is is not much better. It's getting there. It's getting, but the American one is very bad. I mean, where politicians now just lobby for their corporation. They write the bills basically, and then the politicians just vote on it and sign it, and they're all bought and paid for it. There, sick man. Yeah. Now, October 19th to the 20th, 2001, the ground war begins in Afghanistan, with special forces striking in Kandahar. In the coming weeks, Britain, Turkey, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, France and Poland all announced they will deploy troops to Afghanistan. Yeah, and we've got blood on our hands as well here. Yeah. Britain. These first few weeks are all like special forces, aren't they? Now we're going in, we're, we're taking out high-level commanders, we're taking out logistics bases, we're using our alpha teams, our top-tier top, le- top tier guys are How going in. How many people were they honestly fighting? The Taliban reckon they could, they could get 100,000 fighters together. Really? That many? Yeah. 100,000 first core, first line guys, they reckon they could get together. Because I remember reading in The Sun, I know it's The Sun, because obviously I was following this quite intently, thinking, oh man, <laughs> this ain't good. And the Taliban basically said to the US, you get 100,000 blokes together, meet us, on, meet us on the ground and we'll fight you. Winner takes all kind of thing. Mm. And it's like, well, I can admire that to a point. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking we could, surely they're exaggerating like a, like a man does about his willy, you know. <laughs> so you mean they're what are you on about? <laughs> no, for sure, you know, they, they had 50,000 if that, you know. I reckon 100,000 is reasonable. And we couldn't send enough people over there to kill their 100,000. It's sad state of affairs, isn't it, that? Well, we could have, but troop levels in Afghanistan never reached that high. They could have, but they it was more of a low-key... They peaked before the Iraq war, and then they dropped again during the Iraq war because obviously resources diverted. The war on the, on the Taliban was thought to be going pretty well. We taken out. Remember, so special forces teams—they're not just doing like hit and run raids. They're like laser pointing, uh, like physically from the ground. They're laser designating targets, like in card. Mm-hmm. Put the laser on the target, and then they will, the bomb will hit. Yeah. So, oh, you know, we've got a meeting here tonight. It's all the top brass in the area. We're de- we're paint. We're painting the target for you. Yeah. They can't miss. Kind of thing. They don't stand a chance without an air force. They don't have an air force. They no. So they have to fight a guerrilla war, hiding in tunnels and caves. That's the only way they can win. And they know the land. Yeah. They just dig in, don't they? Of course. But they, we weren't alone in Afghanistan, because you still had the Northern Alliance. And these were literally, at the start of this, were like fucking eight blokes and four pickup trucks. Literally, they were like a tiny little group that were holding out in the Northern Mountains. And all of a sudden, the Americans went, oh, fantastic, we've got friendly people on the ground. So we started training them, sending our special forces units in. Who are these? Because we remember we trained the Al Qaeda originally, the Mujahideen, to fight Russia. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so now we're training these guys because it's good to have an indigenous side on your side, isn't it? Yeah. At least part of it. Of you course. want, you want, you know. So we start training they know, these guys. They, we start the equipping, they go from like seven guys and a couple of pickup trucks to being a few thousand strong. Mm-hmm. 
And then you've got the British and American Special Forces who, let's face it, are the best in the world at what they do. So, they never train them to that standard. You don't be fighting them too hard, do you? <laughs> and the Northern Alliance, on the 9th of November 2001, captured Mazar al-Sharif, which is a major Taliban stronghold. So they've broken the Taliban's power in their area. It's a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, on the November 13th, 2001, Kabul falls following airstrikes and ground attacks by the United States and the Afghan Northern Alliance. Stranger, these boys are much more competent at this point, isn't it? Worth pointing out, I am going to slate the ANA later on, the Afghan National Army. Ironically, the same initials as Afghan Northern Alliance. I wonder if that was a thing. Uh. But when they fell in a week, when they collapsed... In all fairness, they were still really reliant on American air support and fast jet attacks and artillery. They weren't quite up to standard on that kind of thing. So the American, and that's how you win skirmishes and battles, is having air and artillery superiority. Yeah. In December the 6th to the 17th in 2001, the Battle of Tora Bora rages in a cave complex in eastern Afghanistan's White Mountains. U.S.-led coalition forces attempt to capture Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden, but he manages to escape. I remember that, the Tora Bora. Tora Bora was... That was the SAS being their most badass, going in with pistols and knives and fighting the Taliban at, at sort of really close range. Yeah. Apparently would have caught bin Laden if the Americans hadn't told them to hang back because they wanted to do it, and they were a few minutes out. Reading that what you will, the SAS always reckon they could have had him on a plate. Mm. Yeah, fishy that, innit? But the Americans say, no, no, we have to, we have to be the ones to seem to be capturing him. For fuck's sake. We're seven minutes out. They're like, he'll be gone in seven minutes. No, you don't move in. You stay, stay where you are. That's or, or, they did, or they didn't want to catch him too quickly. Well, that's another valid point, <laughs> isn't it? So actually, you know, the Brits have done a bit better than we thought they were going to. Yeah. But it was, that was a major battle. Major battle. The the battle of this war, yeah. to be fair. Um, December 7th, while this battle's raging, Kandahar, which is the last major stronghold of the Taliban force. So the Taliban are out on their arse at this point. Mm. February 21st, 2002, a video confirms the execution-style death of Wall Street reporter Daniel Pearl by Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, a self-described mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. He was one of the guys that was caught. Yeah, you remember when the Taliban executed all them people? I don't actually know. Oh, they were, any Westerners they managed to get, even journalists, to mm. put in the Irish jumpsuits. Yeah, of course, Ken Bigley. Oh my God, do you remember that? The Irish even gave him Irish nationality. Because mm. he was, he had a grandparent, and they were like, if it stops him getting, if he stops him getting killed, because the, the Irish aren't involved in ah. this, he's eligible for an Irish passport, we'll give him an Irish passport, so his oh. British nationality is now invalid. Well, they, and the British government, yeah, okay. And they killed him anyway, didn't matter. Uh, Cut his head off, didn't they? Aid workers, doctors, anyone like that, they would, you got caught, you would, you know, you weren't in a good place. Even um, British female army medics were, were told to probably kill yourself before they, if they ever face capture. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't have a very good life if they were taken prisoner. They still do, like, you know, little sort of death capsules for, for those. Yeah, no, like I James, think it's sort of safe. James Bondy style. No, I think it's just more like you. You could either you could OD yourself with the morphine you're carrying if you're. They 
If you're a medic. If you're yeah. a medic, I guess. If not, I suppose you just have to save the last round for yourself. Or ask someone to do it for you. Whatever. Depends what the situation is, I guess. June 13th, 2002, Hamid Kazi, a favoured candidate of the US, i.e. friendly to America and every single thing it wants, yeah. is elected by a traditional Afghan lawyer Jirga council, I think I've said that right, to a two-year term as Afghanistan's transitional head of state. In 2004, he becomes Afghanistan's first democratically elected president. And I remember looking at the news reports of this when it's happening. Because, I mean, 2002... We've been in there less than six months at this point. Taliban are out. Mm-hmm. They've got a democratic elected government. Everything's going well. And he's friendly to America and our interests. Mm-hmm. Even better. The people like him. Probably nice, but a corrupt as fuck. They voted him in. Yeah, but... He's corrupt as fuck. <laughs> but, he's, but because he's taken the American dollar. How many but, opposition people are allowed to run? Well, this is it, and he's already been the um, transitional head of yeah. state, so if, as long as he hasn't done too much in, wrong in the last year or two... Yeah. If you're in opposition, you're probably going to be more sympathetic to maybe the Taliban. Yeah, so that's are true. are you going to be able to win these elections? Probably not. No. And also the people aren't going to vote for you, because yeah. a lot of the, you know, especially the women who they've just given the vote to, they're not going to vote the no. Taliban back in, are they? No. I remember that. It was really good. You'd seen the, the, the women who had been stopped having to wear the full burqa coming out and yeah. leaving a purple dye on their finger and showed they voted. They, I said they can't vote twice. You can't wash it off for like a day or two. It doesn't come out. Oh, okay. Um, that was when they shown they voted. They were waving their fingers in the air. It was like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. That's great. And some of those women have gone on to be really educated and leaders of their communities. And uh, they yeah. won't get to be any more... At one point, Afghanistan was very liberal. Yes, it was. In the 70s, it was. Yeah. It was around. And it was us that disturbed that by training the Mujahideen to overturn that government because it was considered more friendly to the Soviets. Even though there was actually no evidence that it was a puppet state, but because it was quite, soci- quite a social government, it naturally leaned more to an ally towards Russia. Or the Soviet Union at the time, and they didn't want that, did they? No, and also, remember that Afghanistan occupies that lovely position where you need to lay pipelines to it to get oil and gas from Russia through to the Mediterranean. So it's our fault, really, the Taliban came in anyway. Yeah, but then we trained them to fight the Russians to drive them out. Don't you remember Rambo 3? At the end, this film is dedicated to the brave and valiant Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan fighting for freedom. Yeah, and they're the exact same people now. Then they have caused this fucking attack, Al Qaeda. We gave them. them, We gave them loads of weapons. We gave them loads of training. Osama bin Laden. Yeah, we used to train him. I mean, (laughs) I read an account where an ex SAS member was contacted privately with a couple of his other former teammates. This is after he'd left the service. And they were like, look, uh, a, a rich uh, a financier has a, a plan to train some Afghanistanis to carry out an attack on a Soviet airfield. Your special forces, we want you to write down exactly how this would have happened. Right? Step-by-step guide to how to carry this attack out so even the most simple soldier can understand it. They give this plan in, they go away. Two weeks later, they'll get summoned back and they get handed a very large sum of money and they said, thank you very much, it was a success, and show the photo of... 24 planes with their tails blown off. So you had like private finances. Now that might be someone like Bin Laden might finance those guys. Yeah. Or even the CIA. If you're recruiting ex-service members, 
you got uh, going to come back on you, have you? No. That's how deep that kind of stuff went. Mm. Oh. Right, now, one of the massive changes in American society was the introduction of the Patriot Act, a mere mm-hmm. 45 days after the September 11th attacks. George Bush signed it in, which makes you think that was probably off the shelf as well, doesn't it? 45 days to write a multi-hundred-page document. 300-page. 300-page document to cha- radically change the laws in the country. That doesn't seem a lot, does it? You know they don't read them. I've read some of them. Yeah, but... The, like for, for the UK, like, and they're just... Like, this world boring. They're in, oh, and yeah. that's the idea. <laughs> that's the idea. Of course. And they're a bit roundabout, you know. They're... It's all in lawyer knees, isn't it? But the senators and the <clears> members <throat> of Congress, they don't read these bills because they're so long and convoluted. It's fucking insane. Hey, it's wasn't the Patriot Act 666 pages long? I don't know. No, 300 plus. No. 300 plus page document that passed through the US Congress with bipartisan support in 2001. Only one lawmaker voted against it in the Senate. Wow. Senator Russ Feingold of Wisconsin, who feared the act would encroach on civil liberties. It was designed to expand law enforcement's power to both surveil and investigate persons suspected of terrorism. And that's what I hate about this. See, I see this, I I think as most people do, as an attack on my privacy. So, what, you can read my emails? And then you always get that one guy who's like, well, if you'd done nothing wrong, you wouldn't mind, would you? So, yeah, I do, because it's my private emails. It's my text messages. Sadly, everything we do in, in life now leaves a digital stamp in some respect. And and they can look at that. I'm so glad I wasn't young with the internet, with social media. Can you imagine it? Shit we used to get up to and... Posting that. Fucking man. Yeah, I'd have been grounded a lot more. <sighs> yeah, but in, when there's crimes happening... I know, and that's how they, that's how they justify it, isn't it? Oh, so we need to surveil you a lot more because we think we've got sleeper cells in the country of Al-Qaeda uh, who are going to do another 9-11. And all they've got to say is, another 9-11, everyone goes, yeah, okay, don't want that. Fear, isn't it? Take, take what you want from me. But I, my privacy should be respected as a citizen. I pay my taxes, I, can't, I, I contribute to the state. Yep. As long as you're not going around, you, you know, like for instance, I've got a friend on Xbox that um, once got his Xbox account shut down and he, you know, he couldn't get back into it with, with the password that, you know, he knew that it was. And it, but like the night before, he'd been like shouting like Al Qaeda and bomb, bomb, bomb and been like, you know, just loads of sort of triggering words. The algorithm works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, because he, he was like, He's a bit daft. He's a bit daft to believe. Think he's gonna be surprised about that, really? No, but he was talking about conspiracies with people as he was playing the games and that. And then he, you know, when he couldn't get back into his account, his account at all, and he, you know, put the, he goes, I put the same thing in. I know that, you know. Mm. And he thinks it was. He had to, you know, reapply. Yeah, but if you're shouting all that, then they're gonna, they're gonna do it. I mean, that's the thing. It's lucky. The whole he's sort of trying to make a, a bit of a point. He goes, I wouldn't be surprised if there's algorithms and this and that. Yeah, there is, then... yeah. That's how they scan. It's like, basically, the NSA were just scanning emails, looking for keywords, bomb, bin Laden, anything, you know, just anything terror-related. Anything that was a, there's a hot list of words, but it was going through text messages as well. It's like, well, 
I don't think it's good, you know, if you were like, oh, that gig was the bomb, you know. Yeah, like, obviously, like, it's, it's going to flag up and then they're going to look at the context of it. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it shouldn't be getting flagged up, should it? But this is the digital age and everything we do leaves an impression. Mm. So, so you've got, like, one half of the, you know, the, the sort of conspiracy and everything trying to produce fear and then you've got, like, the, the surveillance that's trying to give you the... An illusion of security. An illusion of safety and security. It's a bit... Keeps you in a perpetual state of I don't know. That's that's the whole point of... My mind's gone blank. (laughs) It's fucking weed. (laughs) Have you gone in a weed hole, Mike? A state of uncertainty. No, there's like a stage, isn't there? First they create a problem. Uh, Problem, reaction, solution, that's it. Ah, okay, so, yeah. So there's a problem, terrorism. Reaction, Reaction, we want more security. Yeah. There's, they come in, they swoop in with a solution for you. Yeah. Here, all right, here's more security, but we're going to have to start reading your emails yeah. and your text messages. They're not going to be reading we, them, though. It will be an algorithm scan. Yeah, and, we, and, and, remember, person, and yeah. listen to your phone calls if they want to. They could, they could be listening to it. They wouldn't be listening to your phone calls they unless... You know, unless you're some of these flag words come up with, they? Yes, I don't know. Some dude at the CIA's board right now decides he's going to listen to my phone for a bit. He can turn the Can't microphone. Be. He could turn the microphone on. It's in my pocket. Yeah. And listen to what we're saying if he wanted to. So, according to the U.S. Department of Justice, amongst other things, the powers of the act affords law enforcement include the ability to request court permission to wiretap specific suspects. Okay, okay that's fair that. enough. Use wiretapping and surveillance to investigate terror-related crimes. Yeah. Enact delayed notification search warrants to avoid suspects realising they're in fact suspects. Okay, that makes mm. sense. Um, you, you don't arrest them straight away, so they don't. So they carry on with their plan. You can get them and catch them more in the act later on. You don't um, notify the search warrant is. Yeah. So that. Yeah, so that you don't go and bust in their door. And wave it in their face. Yeah. Obtain search warrants in any part of the country terrorism has occurred regardless of where the warrant was issued. So near crosses state lines. Mm, country lines, that's... The act was also designed to stop those involved in terrorist activities travelling to the US. Yeah. End the statutes and limitations for certain crimes related to terrorism. In state harsher penalties for perpetrators of terrorism. Develop stronger information sharing channels and cohesion between government departments and agencies. That's good. The only trouble is, is what do they define as an act of terrorism? Who's a terrorist? That's the thing. Because I mean, they, you know, they started going after like just people who spoke out against Bush. Not even that. Animal rights people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They just, they, they well, some of them can be considered terrorists. Some. Some. I think you're only a terrorist if you're trying to instill terror on a certain, you know, a certain amount of people. In some cases, or Claire, something that is preventing the people at the top doing what they want. In some cases, just saying that Bush was a dick was enough to get you put under surveillance. On the Michael Moore documentary, um, found on 9-11, there's some old guy who goes to the gym three, four times a week, and he's like 70-something, and he's yeah. like working out, and he's uh, someone saying, oh, what do, you think of, what do you think of the president? He goes, I think he's a dick. Next thing you know, he's getting a knock on the door from fucking yeah. the law, saying, we, we hear what you've been saying, and do you want to... Uh, 
You want to pack that stuff in in public? And in Fahrenheit 9-11, there was a peace group, wasn't there, that was infiltrated? There were a book, a, a reading group and a peace group. <laughs> they were like, they were the same thing. They, they, they'd sit around, they've got a liberal bunch, you'd read a book together, do a book club, and then they'd have a chat about their liberal politics. And, like, there's some police deputy was there, like, a couple of times, but he was undercover, and they were like, oh, where did so-and-so he go? Died he he died in a paper. car crash. And they didn't realise that he was actually an undercover deputy. <laughs> These people were like, you know, old people, most of them, weren't they? Yeah, there was a f- I mean, most of them were old. There was a couple of young, younger ones, but, you know, still, like, sort of 40. And you're like, wow. so sure this is... It was a small town, small <laughs> town in America. It was incredible. Yeah, and so that old guy in the gym, he lived yeah. in some tiny little town in some, st- in some sort of western state. But this is what they could do. Yeah. Even if you if yeah. you say that to the wrong person and they go, well, you know what, I'm a patriot and I don't like the fact you just... They could ring up the CIA, ring up the NSA and say, oh, i got a tip for you. This guy's bad-mouthing George Bush. We followed up on the act effectively allowed the US government to surveil your emails and internet traffic without your consent. You can have your freedom, haven't you? I mean, all right, if you're doing something blatantly illegal, I you're looking think, at yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think they've got to have some sort of course, you know. But emails, I mean, what if I'm, what if I'm emailing some, uh, you know, a woman and we're getting a bit steamy or something? Surely they've got to have course to look at them in the No, nope, without your consent. Label you a terrorist if you belong to an activist group. I'm not talking about consent, I'm talking about cause. Concern. Yeah, but what if, like you say, what if some guy's bored one day and decides, oh, I'm going to monitor that one? He stumbles into something that's quite personal. Or if you did use that well, expression last... crying on the other end, this is better than EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> what if you say, oh, girl, you're the bomb? Yeah, you use that expression. Yeah. The gig was a bomb. Yeah. And they're trawling for your emails without even knowing. They can confiscate your property without a no, hearing. We overskipped that. Label you a terrorist if you belong to an activist group. Yeah, I did say that. Yeah, I know, but yeah. we, we kind of glossed over that a second. Yeah, that's kind of the same thing what we were on about in the, the peace group. Yeah, that's true, but yeah, yeah, but that could be like anything. Yeah, that could, could be. Animal rights people have been the same for them. Yeah, that, yeah, that Extinction could be like. Extinction Rebellion. Mm. Extinction Rebellion, there Definitely you go. Definitely there. Mm. Confiscate your property without a hearing. It's just, yeah, we think you've been doing bad yeah. stuff. We're well, taking your stuff. Have your eyes and you can't. Yeah. Put immigrants in jail indefinitely and without proof they're guilty of a crime. Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Search your home without telling you. <laughs> so actually, like, shady in the door. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll monitor you for a few days, watch you. Yeah, your I'll leave the house and they'll the go in. And they'll go in and search, yeah. Yeah. And they you won't even know they've been there. That's why you should always put cornflakes under your front door, mm. man. That's not going to work with three kids. <laughs> no, when you go out, yeah, you put get the kids out, lift the vat up that's in front of the front, uh, you know. So you step in, you're on a mat, yeah. right? Cornflakes under that, mm. mat back down. And, and they don't know the old cornflake under the mat trick. I'm just throwing it out there. It could happen. I've seen fifty spy movies. <laughs> travel with cornflakes on them these days. Yeah, what do you do? Or well, they jump over it. They just, they know. They're Spoke of cornflakes all over the floor. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they can demand your info from telecom companies and block them from informing you and hand the CIA private information on innocent citizens. <sighs> I don't like them. I don't like, I don't like any of that really. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It's mental. All right, if I'm using lots of 
language, that then, all right, feel free to check that out. But if I'm just... I don't know, but the thing is, the thing. They've got carte blanche. They've got a blank check to go and look whatever they want. Maybe it's a game. I mean, I'd be I'd be bored at work. Oh, come on, guys. Let's spin the... Let's spin the dial, see what we're going to look at. Let's see if we're going to survey. Oh, oh there, there we go. It's Claire Drummond. Boom. Oh, that's, what's her emails reading like? What's her text messages like? You know, maybe you, you, know, you drop yourself in it somehow. Talking about anything. Who knows? Yeah. A night out where you had like, you know, you stole some traffic cones. For you know, the police knocking on your door. You understand you stole some traffic cones three nights ago. You think you might be using them for terrorist activities? <laughs> yeah, and the Civil Liberties Oversight Board, when they reviewed the programme a year after Edward Snowden's revelations, they said, We have not identified a single instance involving a threat to the United States in which the telephone records programme made a concrete difference in the outcome of a counter-terrorism investigation. Moreover, we are aware of no instance in which the programme directly contributed the discovery of a previously unknown terrorist plot or the disruption of a terrorist attack. <laughs> so it did achieve anything at all. Uh, but the Americans just signed away all their freedom for nothing. And when you think about it, when you have the social media coming in, I mean, in what, let's say Facebook, when did Facebook come about? 2006? Something like that? MySpace 2004? You just basically just, you can now look at that. Everyone's putting their life on there, and you can just go, oh, I need to look at suspect Joe Blogs. Find him on MySpace, there you go. They probably have, like, loads of people, like, listening in at first, and then because of these conclusions, they, you know, scaled back. The budgets have only ever gone up, Claire, that's the thing. They don't cut budgets from the NSA and the CIA, they only ever, they only ever get more. Because nowadays we're living in a terrorism age. I keep saying carte blanche, but I really like saying it. They get carte blanche. But, you know, if it's not making any difference, how can you warrant it? Because they want that control over the population. It's easier to brainwash us. There's easier to pro propaganda out People there. People act differently if they know they're being monitored. But at the same time, if you want to stop terrorism, you have to do some monitoring, don't you? Yeah. And I'm all for that. If, you know, go for a court of law, they say, look, this guy... Whatever, he's, he's associating with known terrorists. We need to get a white up on him. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. No problem with that. But indiscriminately just monitoring people. No. Well, this isn't the case. It doesn't work anyway. Is it? I'd imagine that we're not far behind this. It's never prevented a terrorist act anyway. It's never, it's never worked. In, it in, like in the UK, we've had uh, the government and on WhatsApp having a spat because WhatsApp won't let the UK government have access to their encryption key. Yeah. And the same with Facebook. I've been spatting with various Western governments saying, no, all our user messages are encoded, you're not having it, it's privacy. But the government thinks it should have the right to review it. We have got the review button within... Facebook itself, haven't you? In case any messages are threatening or... Oh, uh, yeah. And then I think if you were to report it yourself, then Facebook could hand things over, you know. Absolutely, but that's only... They're saying you have the right to read any of it regardless of whether you report it or not. No. It's all right. Let's go to 2003. March 20th, 2003, the Iraq War begins. 
President Bush announces US forces have begun a military operation to Iraq. He says, these are the opening stages of what will be a broad and concerted campaign. The president says that initial effort to decapitate Iraq's leadership with airstrikes fails, clearing the way for ground invasion. Now, in the first Gulf War, the US sent 400,000 soldiers to, to, to that war. This war, they don't. They sent about 125,000. They want to launch like an American blitzkrieg, a few fast armored punches up into the up into Iraq after after with air superiority and win the war that way. Take them out before we, they even know they're being taken. Don't give the Republican Guard time to mobilise. The Republican Guard, remember them? Remember they built them up? Be the best fighting force in the world. Middle East. The Iraqi Republican Guards, yeah, they were the elites of the of Saddam's forces, weren't they? They were equipped with T-72 tanks, which weren't a match for the Abrams and the Challengers of the British and the Americans. They're meant to be the best, only when you consider the best the, the rest of the Iraqi army was just a bunch of conscripts who didn't know how to fire a weapon. Well, no, some of them were trained, but... Yeah, but they was, made the Republican Guard up to be a worthy kind of foe. They did in the first Gulf War as well. This is exactly the same. Iraq had the fourth largest army in the world, and these boys are the guys who fought the Iranians to a standstill with the Republican Guard. Yeah, but they, they were, didn't stand a chance against the Americans and us, did they? No, no they didn't. They'd have looked a bit like Dad's army, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, what we missed a little bit is the build of this, the lies of the WMDs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've watched Colin Powell this week go into the UN saying we have got firm intelligence that Iraq and Al Qaeda are, are linking together, joining together to make weapons of mass destruction to use the terrorist attacks. And the UN's like, "Where's your evidence?" And they're like. We've got evidence off this guy. He's a high-operated leader. He spilled his uh, secrets under torture. I, under torture. He's being waterboarded, and he's told them anything they want to hear. Basically. Because yeah. if you're under torture, you'll confess. Yeah. I don't care how tough you are. If you're being physically tortured, you will confess at some point. And waterboarding sounds fucking horrific. Mm to me droning's up there in my top two of bad ways to go and do you remember just at this time 24 was out the, the programme yeah Kiefer Sullivan every fucking episode he tortures someone to get information doesn't yeah. it gotta save that bomb from going off yep the end justify like the means doesn't it because, that's what it boils down yeah. to but like you said they just spill their guts to anything yeah but it's true or not and this guy basically said, yeah, yeah, Iraq, Al-Qaeda, Bin Laden, it's all connected, yeah, and I, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm positive that 24 was there as propaganda. Fucking Keith the Sunderland, he's a government stooge. Was there, wasn't it? Come on. I haven't watched it. Have you not watched it? No. Basically, I've watched every, some of it. I've never... Every sort of season there's like a nuclear bomb or something <clears throat> going to go off. No. Terrorists. All about terrorists, like. And Always each, with the terrorists. Yeah, and it, it's sort of every episode is 24 hours. 24 hours, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't he get addicted to heroin at one point? I forget. I forget. And, uh, I, I did watch it up to about season five, I think. Uh, I, I was well, it was just know. ridiculous. I mean, he, he was, you know, he's virtually indestructible, this guy. But he used to torture everybody at the end of every, every episode just to get the American public just sort of used to that sort of thing. Because they wanted to go out and torture people, didn't they? Yeah, you had Guantanamo Bay, which yeah. was leased from the Cubans. 
because um, um, they're not signed up to any conventions about torturing people. You can do what you want there and Libya. Abu, Abu Ghraib as well. Abu Ghraib was different. That was a, an American-run detention centre where they just abused the prisoners, made them do humiliating things, crawl on dog leashes, form naked human pyramids, touch each other's dicks, stuff that you're not supposed to do. They're supposed to be treated as, you know, America's sandwich new convention. You treat them all fairly, you put bags on their heads and shot their genitals and things like that. But obviously the propaganda dehumanised them. Oh, that was the thing. Is, I mean, the Arabs were the new bad guys, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, we, we went through 40 years of having the Russians as the bad guys. And there was the Middle East. You have an Arab, you're the bad guy. You can tell when it changes in, like, you know, your films that are coming out. So, that's yeah. the best example even pro wrestling Claire yeah. yeah and you remember one of the first big films to sort of change from Soviet enemies to Arabs James Bond is True Lies really? 1992 wow <clears throat> so after Gulf War all of a sudden I can beat that Go on, then. Navy Seals oh i never seen it you never seen Navy no. Seals Charlie Sheen Michael Bean oh that's like sitting, uh, Michael Bay you know, you know Michael Bain, yeah. yeah of Aliens yeah uh, oh, that's, a movie. that's a great movie yeah um, it's one of those films I've just never got around to watching. Oh, that's set like late eighties, mm. so it should be around the Iran, the Iranian Revolution, that's yeah. around then. So yeah. eighty nine, the Cold War's coming, and then they need to find a new bad guy to start mm. giving us his propaganda. Yeah, and then all the action films, it was just Arabs that were the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, they're the Soviets. It's all propaganda. Yeah. All funded by the Pentagon. These films. Call of Duty went from worryingly yeah. went from the Arabs, didn't it? Modern Warfare One. Was yeah. uh, you were fighting this rogue Arab state, but they had Russian backers, and then by the end you were fighting the Russians had invaded Europe, and they modern warfare th- two and three. Yeah. So maybe they're setting us up. April 9th. by April ninth, the regime has crumbled because the Iraqi army was crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> U.S., British, and other coalition forces quickly overwhelmed the Iraqi army through elements Lord of Saddam no. Hussein. Though elements Lord of Saddam Hussein. Who will form the core of a post-war insurgency fight on? There we go. This is the start of ISIS. Yeah. Ex-Iraqi army guys, Lord of Saddam, now been radicalised. Yeah. So the beast you created. Three weeks after the invasion, Iraqi civilians and US soldiers pulled down a statue of Saddam in Baghdad's Ferdos Square. I remember that, surely. Yeah. Mm. Everyone started hitting it with their sandal. I watched some really disturbing because I was on nights when the Iraq war was on and I used to get in and put Sky News on. I watched really disturbing footage on there that was live. Like US, I, I definitely saw two US soldiers die when their Humvee got hit by an RPG. Mm. There could have been four guys in there, I have no idea. Two got out on fire and then fell and just collapsed. Through, it was through, like, filmed through night vision. It was all done at night but you could clearly see that it was like, that's what happened. An Apache helicopter just wasting a, a hospital in some city because uh, the military, the, the forces Lord of Saddam had taken it over. They bomb a lot of hospitals in America, don't they? Yeah, because what the, what the, what the, the insurgents do is occupy those hospitals and start firing at forces. Or you, you've got a decision then, haven't you? It's like, well, better they die than our guys die is what it always boils down to. Mm. They probably hide out in the hospitals because they think they won't... They won't, that's it. They won't target a hospital. We'll start shooting at them from the hospital. But the, they haven't moved the sick people out. <laughs> you know, they just fire yeah. from the windows. 
So when an Apache helicopter turns up and fires six Hellfire rockets into it and then starts blasting it with a fucking chain cannon, I mean, no... You might kill two. You will. You're going to kill everyone in that building regardless of whether they're terrorists or not. Like one or two terrorists, the rest are innocent. That's that's why the Americans killed the best part of a million Iraqi civilians and the British. Let's not take our blame out of this. Mainly because they didn't know who was who. You had the Fedayeen who were like the Iraq's sort of militia but... Also, guys who'd fled from the armed forces, ditched their uniforms, put on civilian clothes. They're driving up to US checkpoints and they think the Americans are there. Oh, it's a civilian. Next thing you know, three guys are dead. They've been shot at a drive by. At what point? They're not all wearing the same gear. At what point do you stop trusting every single car that approaches your checkpoint? Yeah. Uh, you You fire a smoke grenade in front of you, it doesn't slow down. Arab drivers are apparently notoriously bad. They speed everywhere. You know, you fire another smoke grenade, it doesn't slow down. What choice have you then got but to open fire on it? But they may not understand the difference. They may not understand that as a warning. They might think that's a sign to speed up. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going through that guy's head. You're thinking that's logical. Before you know it, you've shot a family of four. Yeah, there's a lot of war crimes, isn't there? It was uncovered by that... Um... Rules of engagement were really bad in Iraq. Yeah. It was like Chelsea any money. any basically anyone with a weapon was considered a hostile because they knew they were going to face civilian insurgents. So you you go to her, walk an elderly go to her, walk into to work one day with his with his old Lee Enfield three hundred three World War Two vintage rifle that he uses to keep the wolves away from his flock. Americans drive past, up oh, got a weapon, bang, dead. Those are the rules of engagement. And look what happens to the people that do uncover these war crimes, Chelsea Manning. Sent to prison. Snowden. Snowden. Assange. Though he did get to bang Pammy. In all fairness. Did he bang her? He, I think he did. I think she she visited him a few times. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't all bad, was it? No, but now he's in Belmarsh prison. Yeah, there is that. No Pammy visits and there. Just because he uncovered Yeah. He released that video, didn't he? Yeah. Americans shooting innocent people, wasn't it? Yeah, and all the fact that it was just all a, a Snowden and him basically were like, yeah. this is all just a war for profit. That's what all of the releases, you can boil it down to that sentence effectively. This was a war for profit to give rogue elements in the US government the chance to launder mm. money and arms across the world. And, and, no one, and, and the Brits and everyone else. Launder money and weapons across the globe mm. without anyone saying it was a bad thing to do. The rich get richer. Yeah. Uh, May 1st, so we only invaded in March. May 1st, 2003, mission accomplished. President Bush declares the end of a ma- of major combat operations in Iraq from the deck of the US aircraft ca- uh, the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln. Lawlessness and some skirmishing in the country are written off as the desperate acts of dead-enders by Warhawk Defence Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. Mm. On May 23rd, 2003, the Iraqi army is disbanded. Two weeks on the job, L. Paul Bremer III, head of the Coalition Provisional Authority in Iraq, signed an order disbanding the Iraqi army and intelligence services, sending hundreds of thousands of well-trained armed men into the streets. The order, coupled with an earlier decision to, to purge Ba'athists from the government, has lasting repercussions. The Ba'athists were Saddam's party, mm. the Ba'ath party, and uh, they've been in power since Saddam was in. To ban them just from government... Mm. Yeah, with a load of armed soldiers. Yeah, who were probably loyal or sympathetic yeah, at least. Yeah, for you. Yeah. 
to June 22nd, 2003, with violence beginning to coalesce into organised resistance to the US-led occupation, Saddam Hussein's sons, Uday and Kuzey, are killed by US troops during a raid in the northern city of Mosul. The manhunt that led to their demise had yet to find Saddam himself or many of his top aides. Remember they had the murder cards? No. Yeah. The um, Uday and Kusei were the aces. Um, aces in the park. There was four aces. They were two of them. They were given to every US soldier. So as they were playing cards, they'd be looking at these faces. Oh, these are the genius. guys these are the guys we need to find. You that's find genius, really, and they're like, like shit, that's the ace of spades. Kusei's the ace of spades. Mm. Shit, that's the ace of spades. I recognise his face. Yeah. And they, they gave him his murder card, yeah. December 14th, 2003, Saddam is captured. Acting on tips from the dictator's bodyguard and family members, US troops find Saddam Hussein hiding out in a one-man hole, a spider hole, near his boyhood home of Tikrit. Tikrit was a massive centre of resistance to American authority because obviously it was Saddam's hometown. It's in the north of Iraq. North of Baghdad. You had the whole... Uh, Baghdad Triangle, mm. which is like the most dangerous area in Iraq. Post after they said everything was done. Uh, yeah, it was um, so bad that we had to send up the Black Watch Armoured uh, Division with 600 guys. The Black Watch Fighting Unit, they were the Scottish Regiment, who were just hard as nails. Like the Highlanders, basically. Fuck. Uh, we, had, we sent 600 of them up there to help the Americans out because they were getting their asses pasted. It was just a nightmare of suicide attacks, insurgency in the streets. Did they wear kilts? They did not, but they have done in the past. <laughs> First World War, they were still wearing kilts. Maybe the second. Did you know they used to use sporrans? To hide kittens in. Kittens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the sporran represents an angry badger clamped to the genitals. Uh, I have no idea, but it looks like one. <laughs> yeah, so... The capture is heralded by military officials as a possible turning point and Washington expresses hope that the rising violence will abate. And as you keep take out the figurehead, what are you fighting for anymore? You know when you're joining the Taliban, yeah? Yeah. You're joining knowing you're the bad guys, yeah? Do they think, no, they're, in their mind, they're not the bad guys, no. are they? They're defending their country. So what sort of, like... Media, do they have in their country, if any? Well, state media is propaganda. Yeah, it's all like the infidel Americans are being driven back day by day in pools of their own blood. Look at the Iraq war, the footage of that. You had, oh, Chemical Ali, I can't remember, they changed his name to Comical Ali. Yeah. He was one of Iraq's top guys, I can't remember his name was, no shit. Chemical Ali, wasn't it? Chemical Ali, he was one of the top guys. No, it was Tariq Aziz, he was the Iraqi foreign minister. And he was on the streets, in his uniform, on the outskirts of Baghdad, going, the Americans, he's giving an interview to Western media saying the Americans are drowning in their own blood, we're driving them back. And a fucking US Abrams tank just rolls straight past him, <laughs> in the background with an American soldier, man in the 50 cal on top. And it's like, and he's there going, they're dying in the desert, they're, you know, we're beating them back, and it's like, they're literally behind you, buddy. <laughs> Same. So that's the kind of propaganda you're getting. Unfortunately, his was just ill-timed. Yeah. We have to remember, <laughs> it was all over WMDs. Yeah, to go after them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Saddam and, and Al-Qaeda were, wor yeah, were working there, there together. Yeah, no links for that. No links at all. No. 
Weapon inspections by the UN weren't enough, according to the US. Hans Blix didn't find one, did he? No, and they and then they they were like, oh, we've, they know, we know we we know we know they've got them, and they're working on the Al Qaeda, and and in the Sun, a UK newspaper, they said that Saddam could hit Europe within forty-five minutes with missiles. Yeah. Which he never could. He never had the capability yeah. to do that. Maybe pre nineteen ninety one. The dodgy dossier, wasn't it? Exactly. Maybe pre nineteen ninety one, if he'd have been allowed to carry on without the US interruption and, and UN weapons inspections, he might have got there by the time two thousand and four rolled round. But not, not, no, not after the US and the UN had dismantled his war machine. And the only time he did have chemical weapons is when we gave them to him. Yeah, to, to fight, use to fight Iran yeah. in the eighties. <laughs> When they did use chemical weapons and they dropped chemical weapons on the Kurds in 91 after the first Gulf War. Again, the US, having no exit strategy in 1991, said to the northern Kurds, who didn't like Saddam very much, dropped them another leaflet saying, now's the perfect time for an uprising. So they did. And then the US just went, great. Good luck. Good luck. And they got gassed. But as of 2003 and 2004... The Iraqis didn't have WMDs. No, and in January 24, 2004, the WMD search was aborted. Wow. So the Bush administration concedes its pre-war arguments about extensive stockpiles, and we're talking extensive stockpiles of chemical, biological, and even nuclear weaponry in Saddam Hussein's Iraq appear to have been mistaken. Oops. (laughs) Oops. Oops. We just killed a million Iraqis. And David Kelly. Yes, of course. Just him, yeah. Yeah. See our episode on him. Yes, absolutely. It ties yeah. in with this, doesn't it? It does tie in with this. He said there was no WMDs and he was <laughs> shot in the head. Oh, I thought he... Oh, poisoned, sorry, wasn't he? He was he poisoned. Himself, didn't he? No, that's the official line. <laughs> Hang himself in the woods or something, wasn't it? And cut his, no, it was a drug overdose and he cut his ah, wrists. That was it, yeah. But he didn't, they, they said that the, the cutting of the wrists was wrong. As he was a trained surgeon, he'd know how to cut his own wrists. Yeah. And the drugs he'd taken weren't strong enough to kill him. Not enough blood on the floor, was it? No, he wasn't lying underneath a pile of his own blood. Some thought so he might have been smothered or choked. Yeah. He was a scientist that came, was he a scientist? Mm-hmm. And he came out and said, Obviously, Blair was saying there's weapons of mass destruction. He came out and said, no, there's no, there's no evidence. Yeah, no evidence. We've never found anything. And then all of a sudden, he died. Mysteriously. It is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Too many of these mysterious little you know, coincidences, yeah. isn't there? I should tell the listener, I can hear music through the microphones. There's a massive open-air concert going on up the road. Who is it tonight? Ollie Mears. Yeah. If you're familiar with him. I think he was on in some... Band, I don't know. He anyway, was in like X Factor or something. Yeah. Sh- either way, I think he's bollocks. He's no you, Tom Jones. He's no Tom. Why? Jones. If we were recording the Tom Jones on last night, if we'd have been recording this last night, we'd have been laughing. Yeah. So if you do hear any background noise, we can't do anything about it. The windows are closed. We're just really close to where he's singing. Sadly. <laughs> if you like Ollie Moore's, well. <laughs> then listen bonus. <laughs> bonus for you oh Spotify don't do us for this yeah. <laughs> using his music it's incredible we were almost all wrong David Kay, the former top US weapons inspector tells Congress a presidential commission concludes in March 2005 not one bit quote of pre-war intelligence on Iraqi weapons and mass destruction panned out they still admit they're wrong 
after the fact too late by then isn't it it's too late now we've invaded we're, we're, invaded. We're, stuck in, we're stuck in a quagmire of Iraq I mean in 2004 you've got Al-Qaeda in Iraq in, the, in Iraq mounts a wave of suicide bombings striking against holy sites in Baghdad and Kambala the attacks kill hundreds stoking sectarian resentment and in Fallujah four US contractors are killed burned and hung from a bridge it's all gone to shit now if they could set up something like 9-11, they could have planted some uh, weapons of mass destruction, couldn't they not? Well, you would have thought they would have tried, wouldn't you? But the strange they don't care, do they? It's not like they've got in now, fuck it. The we're there now, we've got the oil. We're guarding the oil fields, weren't they? Yeah, they were, yeah. The oil fields took priority. <laughs> the British Army secured uh, Basra, which is the Iraqi's largest oil-producing facility. That was our job, secure Basra. That's what they wanted, Claire. That's what they got. Too late now, they're in. Fuck it, doesn't matter if there was no WMDs. Actually, it's really interesting. I, uh, a book I read called Generation Kill, which is written by um, a, a Rolling Stone reporter embedded with First Recon of the US Marines, who were the very tippity tip of the spear. Yeah. When they were taking prisoners, a lot of the Iraqi soldiers they were taking prisoner had uh, MBC kits on them, so they, which would contain antidotes to various chemical weapons. And they were saying that, oh yeah, you know, they, they claimed to be part of launch teams or things like that. Even village elders would say, oh, we know that stuff's buried around here somewhere. It's making our water bad. Can you help? So I think it was a, it was a myth propagated by Saddam to keep the people in check mm-hmm. that got really out of hand in the US because it really wanted the excuse to go in. And Saddam's privately saying, oh, yeah, we've got, you know, in, in Iraqi media saying, we've got all this stuff, we're still strong. The US are taking that as gospel, they're taking that as intelligence. That's my theory on that. Maybe there's a bit of that. I don't think they cared. I don't think, no, no, they were going to go anyway. Yeah. They were going to go anyway. I'm just think. I'm, um, I'm not saying they were misled, they wanted to go. This was, this was it, this was Iraq. They- now, under the Nuremberg trials, what would now happen to Mr. Bush? And Mr. Blair. Well, they'd certainly be put on trial, Mike, wouldn't they? And if they were found guilty of war crimes. Because of committing war crimes. Iraq did not invade us. They did nothing against us. And we tore that country apart. Turned it into a fucking failed state. Yeah. Same as you with Afghanistan as well. Let's face it. Now we're the real terrorists. Mm. I mean, alright. The only bonus point of the 2003 Iraq wars who removed a, a genocidal dictator from power and replaced him with a, 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 an occupying force that's killed 900,000 people in less than four months. I mean, drove through they Iraq. They put Saddam sh- there in the first place. And we put Saddam in the first place. So we played all this game. We've been playing Game of Thrones mm-hmm. all through the Cold War mm-hmm. and we've come to the point where the people in charge now were actually... We've realised they're not such good guys anymore. Well, they're no use to us anymore. And they're no use to us. I mean, allegedly, Saddam was going to start selling his oil in euros, which would have crippled the petrodollar economy, the American economy, which it's is like built. Gaddafi wanted to go for the dinar. Which would have crippled the pound and the, the dollar. And the dollar. Britain in that in the Iraq scenario would have just joined the euro. So that's why they got rid of Gaddafi? Apparently so. He wanted to start selling his oil in the dinar, an African currency, which would have yeah. empowered maybe sort of a... Maybe even it could have led to some kind of EU of Africa's, African states just creating their own massive trading blocks, yeah. selling their own mineral resources yeah. with mutual benefit to every member state. Mm. Oh, we 
can't be lying that, can we? No, if Africa was Africa's Africa's one of the most minerally rich <laughs> and oil rich countries on the continents on the planet. Diamonds, uh, all the all diamonds, well, nickel, uranium. Diamonds, uh, a diamond doesn't. On only on the blood, only the blood diamonds. No, I mean there's that many of them. They just restrict the. Oh yeah, yeah, they're not market. as rare as they say. No, yeah, no, that's a massive conspiracy. The De Beers company owns all fucking diamond mines. Yeah, you can go down their mines and the diamonds are glistening in they the fucking walls. The flow so keeps the prices artificially high. Yeah. Everyone thinks a diamond's rare, but it's not. Oh, never. Mm. Yeah. Now, we mentioned Abu Ghraib. That was April 28th, 2004, the big scandal of that. Yeah, uh, prisoner abuse inside the US-run Abu Ghraib prison becomes public. That's in, uh, just, I think it's in Baghdad, the Abu Ghraib prison. Abu Ghraib. Abu Ghraib, sorry. Backed by photographic evidence, the conviction of seven soldiers, the torture and humiliation of detainees brings jail sentences. Critics, including some of the convicted complainants, senior officers and officials are spared. Of course. Shit rolls downhill. Of course yeah. it does. Uh, but if you're daft enough to take fucking pictures... Yeah, but fucking it's sick. Yeah, a retaliation on May 11, 2004. A kidnapping of a, a US businessman. He gets his head cut off in revenge. And just remember that all the major combat actions in Iraq have ended. No, no, you got the Battle of Fallujah in 2004. This well, all kicked off. Fallujah basically just went up in smoke. And we used uranium, depleted uranium-tipped bullets. Tank oh. rounds. Was it? Tank shells, yeah. That have now been causing birth defects for people in the region. But nothing else punches through a T-72's armour like butter, Mike. What? That's yeah. terrible. If you go online, you'll see Cyclops babies and everything. It's disgusting. It's not for the faint-hearted man, it's... Ugh. Yeah. So with Iraq's national elections approaching, September the 8th, 2004, 15,000 US and Iraqi forces assaulted the insurgent stronghold of Fallujah in central Iraq. The urban fighting is successful but costly. 38 US troops die along with six Iraqi soldiers. The Pentagon estimates 1,200 insurgents are killed and the Red Cross says 800 Iraqi civilians die with them. 800 civilians. Right, so while all of that shit show is going on in Iraq, Europe suffers its own terrorist attacks. Whether this is a calculated move by Al-Qaeda or just a bit of stupidity on behalf of trying to draw in other nations in some kind of massive jihad-style war. Mm, or is it the same as 9-11 and these things were allowed to happen? Well, of course. Support for the war. So, uh, March 11th, 2004, a coordinated bombing of four commuter trains in Madrid kills 191 people and injures more than 2,000. Islamic militants based in Spain, but inspired by Al Qaeda, are later considered the prime suspects. I remember that one. I don't remember that one at all. Maybe. Yeah. July 7th, 2005. I definitely remember this one. Terrorist bombings on the London Underground and atop a double-decker bus kill 52 people and injure more than 700. Documents recovered in 2012 uh, mm -hmm. will reveal the attacks were planned by a British citizen working for Al-Qaeda. Now, we were told these were homegrown originally, weren't we? Yeah. These were guys that had been radicalised online. They'd grown up as British Muslims. They'd played cricket. 
they lived in gone to British schools, lived in British communities, and they, you know, found these like-minded friends online who had been radicalised and decided to do this. That was what we were told at the time. They meet up some at some house and make these bombs, and you know. That's right. Yeah. And then, of course, we had the killing of that Brazilian plumber a couple of days later because he looked a bit like one of the guys that was under suspicion. A poor Brazilian. You know what I mean? Necessary casualty of war, that one. Sorry. If someone tells you. Stop! (laughs) Should know stop! Well, he was innocent at the end, didn't he? So. He was innocent, but when someone yells stop, you don't vote a turnstile while wearing a rucksack when rucksack bombs have just been deployed in attack. You, you're going you're gonna to die. There's no other way. There's no other end to that scenario at that point. Yeah, everyone's on, on high alert, itchy trigger fingers, isn't it? Of course they are. Yeah, December 30th, 2006, Saddam is killed. After being sentenced to death by hanging for war crimes and crimes against humanity, Saddam Hussein is executed in Baghdad. Saw that video, did you? Yeah. No, I didn't actually. Yeah, they didn't really need to release that, did they? No, there was a lot more nasty shit going around on the internet back then, wasn't there? There was. There wasn't the censorship we have now. No. Of course, the page attack means they can censor it more. Uh, 2006 as well, June the 8th, Zakari, uh, Abu Masab al-Zakari, leader of al-Qaeda in Iraq, is killed in a US-led airstrike near Bakuba. His bloody campaign of suicide bombings, kidnappings and beheadings was deplored by American and Iraqis alike. Washington expresses measured optimism that his death would dampen the insurgency. Uh-huh. And it, it did to a point. Things did calm down a little bit. It's estimated Iraqi civilian deaths peak in the July of 2006. Estimates which hover between 1,000 and 3,500 for that month vary greatly. The Pentagon declines to keep such statistics. And independent analysis diverge greatly. Of course, depending on what side of the propaganda line you're on, you're going to... Well, the Americans aren't going to admit to the 3,500, are they? No. In January 10th, 2007, so we're still fighting this, Bush is in his last year now. Yeah. President Bush announces a new way forward in Iraq and vows to commit an additional 20,000 troops. Oh, the Pentagon steps up his recruitment efforts in response, including the signing of uh, newly naturalised soldiers. So these are guys who are immigrants who've basically said... Uh, Okay, you want to come to the US? You want to get your citizenship? Hmm. Okay. Three years in the US Army. Maybe six if we extend your, uh, you extend your uh, deployment. Get your citizenship, though. Mm. And they'll be getting paid. And getting paid and being educated, I guess. Yeah. But still, not good, is it? You'll get killed, though. Not necessarily. I mean, some remember, like, doctors, they would serve as medics yeah. in the front lines in Iraq. Like, I don't know, like a doctor from Uganda. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sorry, Doc. How would you fancy getting your citizenship in three years by serving as a Marine, as a corpsman in the Marine Corps? Yes. You might see combat, you might not. Up to you. Want a bit of pension? Do I do an army pension? Of course. That's where the cost of this comes in, really. It's not just the... 
the weapons, the, the contracts, all that. It's the cost of looking after the soldiers as well, remember? It's a yeah. massive cost. Those guys have got to be looked after from the moment they put on a uniform to the moment they die. Yeah. That's the covenant, isn't it? The military covenant. Mm. You will be looked after. Obviously, it's been failing massively. Obama, November 4th, 2008... He wins. He wins the White House. I was genuinely emotional yeah, when Obama. Yeah, I actually had a tear in my eye. I thought, I know, it sounds stupid to say that. I just thought, with a black person in in power that was really liberal, wants to end all these wars, and I just thought, you know, this is a turning point. Yeah, things are going to change. But it's a massive thing. He was, yeah, but he was bullshitting, wasn't he? Wasn't there more arms sale under Obama? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Obama won a Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know how, because drone strikes went no, up. It took us from two wars to seven. He ended up, yeah, we ended up with more troops in... Uh, I mean, he, he campaigned about how to withdraw combat troops in Iraq within 16 months of taking office. Three weeks later, they're going to confirm that US forces entered over 2011. That's not 16 months. Hmm. And actually increased troop numbers during mm-hmm. Obama's thing. More drone strikes were carried out. More bombs than Bush, Obama did. Mm-hmm. More illegal drone strikes than Bush. Ramped it up. Oh, what a disappointment he was. Domestically, he helped kick four million people out of their homes. Then the, the financial crisis yeah. hit. Bailed at the banks and let the banks foreclose on four million people. Oh, man. He wasn't the... I was expecting like the spiritual successor to, to Martin Luther King. Yeah. You know, that's what I was expecting. That's what I mean. It, I think that's what everyone was expecting, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? The whole thing was change, wasn't it? Yeah. That was it. That was it was all built upon was. He was he campaigned on it. Yeah. Change. I'm a black guy. Yeah. Come on, everyone. What? A f- I'm the Will Smith of politics. I keep on singing in my head, black man in the white house, <laughs> Obama in the white house. Like it's like a reggae here, sort of. You know what it is, reggae, Claire. Yeah. Cool, cool tune. <laughs> That's why I'm just nodding my head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he was, was a near liberal stooge. Disappointment, wasn't oh, it, really? Oh, fuck, yeah. All he ended up doing was fermenting racial hatred in America and getting Trump elected. Well, maybe... <laughs> I don't know if you can blame him for that. <laughs> well, maybe he got there and, like, most of them, they're like, yeah, you, you're just the front man. Nothing's fucking changing. Oh, yeah, the, the real um, bosses were the fucking and, Goldman you know, Sachs and shit. He, he, he's only got, like... They only put, like, a few different possibilities in front of him it's like you know he hasn't really got the decision he's got like this is the worst case scenario or the less than worst no, no, he was, if you look at it less than worst, <laughs> like, got the choice if off. you actually look at it he was funded by wall street right so he was always gonna he was always gonna do what they wanted anyway he, he never interested in helping the people mm. it's all a lie his wife's a man <laughs> <laughs> no she's not she's not she's a strong strong Independent. Independent, beautiful Black. woman. Beautiful woman, yeah. And the withdrawal begins. Yeah, June 30th, 2009, US combat troops were drawn from Baghdad and other cities in accordance with the status of forces agreement between Iraq and the United States. More than 150 US bases and outposts in Iraqi cities were shut ahead of the June 30th deadline. Prime Minister Nouri al-Malaki Calls the withdrawal a great victory, declaring a national holiday, while some Iraqis are sceptical about the domestic forces' capabilities. In other words, we don't think the Iraqi army is as good as you're making out it is, and we think that's going to cause problems because you've still got a load of really heavily armed 
pro-Saddam, now Islamically radicalised soldiers trotting around the desert. <laughs> Fuck me, what a shit show. And we don't think our army's good enough. <laughs> they also expressed concerns about their dependence on US troop support, i.e. the air cover and uh, artillery. And political leaders overconfidence. Some exceptions to the draw from cities have been negotiated, particularly in the troubled northern city of Mosul and certainly areas of Baghdad. The agreement, which set the June 30th deadline for withdrawal from cities, also sets a date for US forces to fully withdraw from the country by 2011. And in 2009, that seems to work because there's no US casualty deaths in December 2009, the mm. first month ever. It's not bad. The Iraqis yeah. get parliamentary elections in 2010. They're all good. It's all going well. Combat operations end August 31st, 2010. 4,400 US casualties, tens of thousands Iraqi civilians killed. It officially ends its combat mission in Iraq and then stays there for a bit longer yeah. doing combat missions. President Barack Obama underscores the war's shared sacrifice while stressing that the United States will not abandon Iraq. Not with all that oil, they won't. <laughs> he says, quote, In the end, only Iraqis can resolve their differences and police their streets. <laughs> Even though we've been trying to do it for the past eight years, we don't realise... And, and the fact that their entire country is now yeah. split into several parts and ISIS is still really prevalent, yeah. 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 The final US troops leave in December 18th, 2011. Ending a nine-year military mission. More although, than although, although we're going to leave a load of Blackwater. Blackwater, probably military yeah, contactors. Yeah, we'll leave them in there, like. Well, yeah, because you haven't got. Because you know what Obama realised, the Iraq was the bad war. He got two wars going on. Seven at this point. Well, out the out the seven, <laughs> Iraq and Afghanistan were the two biggies. Yeah. And Iraq was the bad war. That was the one that shouldn't have been fought. And Afghanistan was classed as the good war. That's the one where you're still you're actually fighting terrorists in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So that's why, and they're realising they've got to split their priorities. Most of their efforts are going to Iraq, mm. but they really need the bulk of their military, or certainly a, a bigger chunk of it, in Afghanistan. Mm. So Obama actually increases troop levels in Afghanistan, but while we're drawing them from Iraq. Just before we pull out of Iraq, May the 2nd, Ben. 2011, Osama bin Laden's killed by US Special Operations, Seam Teal 6, during a raid Abbottabad in Pakistan. So they're crossing the border to Abbottabad. Pakistan, a, a supposed a US ally, while probably secretly supplying uh, ISIS and Al Qaeda and Iran and helping out in training and supplying weapons. But still, an ally didn't really kick a bunch of a fuss, did they? Mainly because Taliban fighters were hiding in the Pakistani mountains mm. for a long time, and the US didn't go in to get them. So they can't really complain when this happens. But yeah, Osama bin Laden wasn't in Afghanistan, he was actually hiding in Pakistan and probably been there for 10 years. Yeah. Or at least a good fucking six, seven, eight. He's rich. Think of Scarface. Think yeah. of Tony Montana's palace. Yeah. Think of the high walls and the little nice little compound in the middle. Think yeah, that. You couldn't get some informant in ten years. It's shocking. They knew he was there. 
And then December 28, 2014. The war in Afghanistan officially ends. Although 10,800 US troops are going to stay. The war's over. In 2019, the US and Taliban leaders worked towards an agreement for the withdrawal of 14,000 US troops to remain in Afghanistan. It's gone up. Yeah, and now we've got to today where... Where the deal was struck. It started through the Obama administration talking to the Afghanistani government, allowing possible Taliban involvement in a post-war government. Because you've got to keep them happy. They're still a major force in the country, whether you want them to be or not. Yeah, in a democratic country, everyone's... You should have equal discourse. And if people want to vote for Taliban representatives, then that's up to them, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. Although, let's face it, I'd imagine that they'd just be made to at the point of an AK-47. But but the point is, Mm. it's these are the shit show today, where Trump basically came up with a deal, saying, right, we'll be out by 9-11, it started with Obama, admittedly, but this is the deal Trump came up with. And we're going to release 5,000 of your most hardened fighters from Afghani jails as a good sign of goodwill, and you'll release 1,000 prisoners you've got. Yeah, those 5,000 hardened fighters really made a difference in the last few weeks recently yeah. in Afghanistan, didn't they? Because although they started fighting again almost immediately after they were released, it took a week for the city to fall, which led to the... Let's face it, mm. botched assault, botched evacuation even, sorry. But we can't forget ISIS, can we? No, because, I mean, it didn't end after rat, did it? We went no. to Libya, we went to Syria, we went to Somalia. Yeah, of course, we had the terror attack in Manchester committed by a Libyan alleged Al-Qaeda suspect. Yeah, but if you go into them in detail now, we'll be here all night, but... Yeah. So let's look at the costs then to end. Yeah. So let's look at the British Army in Afghanistan. In, in Iraq, we lost 176 with 146 combat deaths. Some people died out of combat, others got ill and died. Apparently, it happens. Right. In Afghanistan, we paid our deadliest toll, the British Army. We had 457 deaths. Uh, our number of fatalities peaked between 2009 and 2010 and over 100 personnel were killed. Of the total, 457 personnel died, 405 died because of hostile action. We also suffered 616 serious or very serious casualties amongst the armed forces and civilian personnel. A total of 7,807 field hospital administrations. Admissions. Admissions, although 28% of those were... Uh, wounded in action. Alright, so America. That's the. Uh, How many Afghans were killed then? Yeah. Well, yeah, 28%, 2,000, 2009 were ours. Uh, 5,000 are Afghans. And it cost us Operation Herrick and Toro, which is we called the Afghanistan conflict, £27.7 billion in 2021 prices. <laughs> it peaked between 300 to 400 million pounds a year. And then obviously we had to buy loads of new equipment because our other ones were outdated and crap. What a waste of money and lives, eh? I know, I know. And let's look at the American one. Twenty-year war on terror for America. We're talking eight trillion dollars and nine hundred thousand deaths. Eight trillion. I just imagine if they just dropped that money from the airplanes in Iraq and Afghanistan. It'd be fucking Shangri-La now in the desert. It would be a, 
haven of peace and fucking prosperity. Yeah. And everyone want to go and live there in <laughs> paradise. Even better idea, drop the $9 trillion over the UK. Yeah. Let us have it. Well, if, if they'd done that, instead of wasting it with also 900, at least 900,000 deaths, which well, they, is they, bullshit. They, that's, they'd be able to feed themselves for sure, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, you got $8 trillion. I mean, hey. Yeah. Now, if you built their countries up with that money, they'd be loyal fucking allies to the end, wouldn't they? Because look what you've just done for them. You give $4 trillion to Afghanistan, $4 trillion to, to Iraq. And then just totally pull out so there's nothing to shoot at. Well, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have any... No, no one's going to live in a life of opulence there, wouldn't they? Yeah, no one's <laughs> going to want to be a radical Islamist when, you, when you can, you've got four trillion. You've just bought them When you've got a few million quid in the bank, are they? Yeah, but like every Afghani will build a house. Although inflation would go through the roof. Well, I don't know, but it's just a hypothetical, stupid scenario, but <laughs> it's better than just killing people with that money. Yeah. It's achieved nothing. Yeah, but then how are the arms manufacturers going to get their payday, Mike? <laughs> Stop thinking That's about it. it. Stop thinking about it like that. You War look. is a racket. You said that. Major General Smedley Butler. Mm. Two times winning the Medal of Honor. He fought for the American fruit companies, the banks. Yeah, you never fought for the government. No. Nope. I mean, people. And remember that America, before the, the War on Terror Fund, actually had a surplus. It wasn't in debt. To itself, it didn't have a national debt. Now it's X amount of hundreds of billions in debt. At the point they got to lay off government employees for weeks at a time just to balance the books. To award themselves some more debt. Eight trillion. Yeah. A minimum of 900,000 deaths. And I think that is I've heard a fast that, undercount, they say. I think that's an undercount because they say at least a million Iraqi yeah. civilians were killed. I think we're looking at at least two or three million deaths. For what? That's not including all the violent offshoots that have happened because of it, or the terror attacks and shit. I suppose. Yeah. That's happened. They say in eighty countries around the world. Eighty countries is literally it is literally World War Three. It's just on the quiet. World War Two didn't have eighty countries involved, did it? Probably not. To be fair. No. This is like a global war. This is World War Three, and. And if it was all based on a lie, which we believe it was. Yeah. My God, doesn't bear thinking about. All for money. All for money, yeah. Just, just for money. That's it. So what they're gonna do now? They, you know, now they're pulling everybody out. Then. Wow. How they're gonna justify the the budget in in the US for the military? It's an interesting question, Claire. Iran's next, isn't it? That's you don't, list. you don't want a military sitting around getting loads of funding for five years with nothing to do, do you? And they've got a thousand bases they get, around the world. They get restless. You need a new enemy. And we'll start seeing that soon. Who's gonna be the new enemy? Well, Iran's next on the list, isn't it? We've been pushing for a war with them. There's been yeah. a few skirmishes. Hasn't there recently? Been a boat or something that, that got destroyed. That was well, the oil tanker that was yeah. allegedly attacked, even though it wasn't attacked by the Iranians. It was attacked by the Americans. <laughs> they're trying to start another one. Yeah. Because they're in now. The the the, the companies, the corporations who who want who are making their money from this, and the resources that come yeah. after it. They're in, they control the government, all the politicians are taking their dollar. Mm-hmm. So of course they're going to vote for war. And Iran's got a lot of oil. 
It has. Iraq was was the was the fourth largest oil reserve in the world, and they haven't, been able, they haven't been able to export for years. Domestic use only. Why can't they export? There it was under part of the embargo because they was just like them rebuilding their military machine. Mm. Obviously, that money comes in quicker when you're exporting oil. Yeah, so I think we can argue that 9/11 literally just changed the face of the world we live in. That's its legacy. You know, it allowed people to launder money and weapons throughout the world and drugs and people throughout the yeah. world for with little to no investigation. And if anything, there's more terror now than there was when it, before it started. Mm, every unsuccessful anti-terror raid just creates more terrorists, doesn't it? If you're indiscriminately droning weddings there, of course it is. Mm. It's a dark time, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah, more no, you've got a crisis as well. You've got a crisis. <laughs> Climate, the climate's failing. You've got terror. Terror's going to be in the upsurge because yeah, we've I'll the threat of nuclear war over and over. Well, that's always been there. Yeah. You forget about that one. Push, post, that one to, push that one. Push that one to the back. I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought terror was on the on the down. Ah, but now that the Taliban are back and the whole point of ousting them was to stop them hosting Al Qaeda training parties, they yeah. just start doing that again, aren't they? Yeah, but we know they've got a lot, so it's just like leave them to it. Though. They've got a lot of weapons all of a sudden. All US made, all private military contractor arsenals were just left there. There's more terrorists now than we began, so utter failure, my that's my grade F. You give it an F. Fucking two, right? I think the, the the key factor is what I said at the start is that every single general who went into Afghanistan literally said, How do I win this war then? What's the conditions for winning? Yeah, it's come and out now that they've lied all the way along. Yeah, and then everyone just got the reply back, we don't know. Give them a McDonald's. That's what you do. No two countries in McDonald's have fought each other. Get them a halal McDonald's in there. Wouldn't have had this. Mm. The halal sausage and bacon and egg McMuffin, well, not bacon, the halal sausage in the morning would have fucking so sorted them out. You want to give them a McDonald's and you want a chocolate. A trillion pounds over the, the Afghanistan and Iraq. Use the eight trillion to invest in an extensive McDonald's chain across Afghanistan. Well, it's too late now. You spent it on weapons of death to kill people, but it would have been more productive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. To spend it on the McDonald's, or just give it them. You want to chuck money at a problem? You want to chuck hamburgers <laughs> at a problem? Allow meat, not. <laughs> Hello burgers. Hello burgers. Boom. Surprise, no, c- no two countries with the McDonald's have ever fought each other. That's all I'm saying. That's a fact. No two democracies, have they? No. Democracy is the way, isn't it? And they use them a McDonald's in a democracy. No, no more puppet governments. Just in there because we want them to do what they want. No, they'll just them. be taken over by corporations like the rest of us. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. like I said, you want to chuck money in? No, but I want to buy proper Which one's better, though? Fucking capitalists! Give it for the, give it from the joy of a Big Mac. They won't want to fight each other anymore. <laughs> we don't want to give them our democracy. It's broken. That's why Big Macs are simpler. Um, Listen, I think there's fireworks going off in the background. That's what you can hear. That's like crackling is. I can hear a crackling through the microphones. These things are like having bat ears. It's not a drone strike because we're not Brian living in a poor country. <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. It's not a drone strike yet. <laughs> we're telling the truth. Truth bombs. Truth bombs. That's what we're dropping. <laughs> Doesn't cost eight trillion either. 
Just get us a Big Mac. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, that's my final thought. Yeah. Give him McDonald's, Claire. Oh, I'm blown away. It's just bad. It's just shit show, isn't it? And the worst of it is, this might not just affect. It's affected our generation. It might affect the next, our, our children's generation. I'm just sort of, I mean, they might still be. Well alone, that's, that's... In twenty years' time, <laughs> our kids could be fighting this war. It's not about business. We should have been there yeah. in the first place. I agree completely. Even trying to buy some oil off him. How much oil you could have brought with eight and trillion quid? Yeah. Christ's sake. What's a waste of money and lives? And a missed opportunity for everyone to sample a Big Mac. And on that note, thank you very much for listening. I've been Ben. Don't drink the favourite. Don't join the call. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Keep open wide, but not so open that it could all hurt your ears, guys.